Welcome to the Wet Bandits Podcast, where I'm Wheezy and I have some mucus in the back of my throat. <laughs> this is... Yo! <laughs> That's you're supposed to say your name. <laughs> Slammy. All right, so people are either tuned way in or tuned way out at this point. We are two-fifths of the Wet Bandits, the greatest 90s cover band in the world. Perhaps the universe. I don't know how much people rock in other galaxies... But or in this in time, one, or in, the, in time, in the Milky Way, the Wet Bandits are the number one we '90s cover band. The Milky Way. So, like people in another galaxy, they are watching a movie that says "Far, Far Away." Right. Long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, mm-hmm. and it's like the Wet Bandits. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie about our life. Yeah, that's what they're watching, and they're thinking, mm, "You know what is really different about this is that they use a used future." I mean, even though it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but they're like, you know, it really looks like they use that, you know, microphone, that pop screen. Yeah. You know, that doesn't, it's not fresh and shiny like our clothes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know what? They don't use any CG, which is great. Yeah. None of that these con- guys are real. Yeah. For real. That's what you get with the Wet Bandits. Yeah. That'd be cool if we had some Yeah, season. right? All right. So maybe like a little dancing Bobby yeah. Frick. I'm thinking of like a T-Rex. <laughs> okay. Anyway. It's also, uh, we're recording this. We like to do two episodes at a time. This is a big gap between where Space the episodes time. will actually be landing in your ear holes. I forgot my whipped cream, man. Yeah. That's an important part. But it's National Irish Coffee Day on the day we're recording, so... Uh, if you listen to the Foo Fighters Sonic Highways episode, this has just been... Imagine us basically taking part in this for many weeks on end, but actually they're recorded on the same day. This is a podcast. What am I talking about? This is a podcast. Discographies of 90s bands. What we like to do is see how the bands change over the course of their discography. Now, I, you know, I think we realize that bands change, and a lot of people lament that, right? I think most... Often, we fall in love with a band's early catalog, and then the band changes, and people fall; those bands yeah. fall out of favor with us. But what we like to do is really examine each album for its merits, and maybe the things that we loved in the beginning that maybe weren't so great, and see how the band truly, as objectively as we can, changes. See what we like, and see what we really don't now through a new lens. Um, and maybe you know the phrase I use like to use is. Breathe some life into that yeah. stuff that maybe we didn't love the first time around. And hopefully uh, bring some of this back to people who weren't, who who had forgotten about it, or at least maybe even introduce it to people who uh, aren't familiar with it in the first place. I think that a lot of times people think of podcasts like this one as a way to just, you know, listen to people talk about what they are already familiar with. I don't 
my goal for this podcast is get, to get people into things that they'd never heard before. Yeah. And it's not like these people aren't popular, but I'm, I like rock music and I've uh, half of these albums I've, that we've covered, I'd never heard before. Now we're getting into the Weezer discography. I'm going to, this is like foreign territory for me, bro, yeah. because. Right. So Foo Fighters and, and Red Hot Chili Peppers was a lot of foreign territory for me. And Foo Fighters was not for you, but Red Hot Chili Peppers Kinda, was like half yeah, and half. Yeah. This will be all foreign territory for you and not no foreign territory for me. But what we're recording today, I just realized that we're recording this as if it's the first one. It is. We're several albums <laughs> deep at this point into the <laughs> Weezer discography. We're covering the Red Album. Which so, one is this? What do you mean? Like in terms of uh, album, w- uh, this is five. Yeah, I have to think about that actually for a second. So we got blue, Pinkerton, green, make Bel- make or maladroit, make believe, red. So this mm. is actually six. This is the sixth album from Weezer, the third self-titled. They will end up having six Damn. self-titled. I think so. This is the red one. There's, as we like to do, there's a little bit of history to cover. God, history is the wrong word, but that's the word I used. So, so some notes on this one. This this is a bit of a transitional period for Weezer, right? So this, like I just said. Yeah, they kind of had like a hiatus, right? Yeah, they did have a little bit of a hiatus after Make Believe where Rivers, the singer, gets married Finishes his degree from Harvard, um, and I, I guess that's really that's probably the cause of the the main hiatus, right? In the meantime, while while Weezer is not as popular as maybe they were, although there is a little bit of Foo Fighters element with them too, where they actually like sell their albums chart very high, even though they're quote unquote like true fans don't care for a lot of the new stuff they're doing you know that their videos are still popular so people are still aware of weezer anyway that there there are fake reports from this from this website called uh album com, and that they're <clears throat> they're reporting that this new weezer album is about to come out and it's called tour ensemble and apparently this report had enough legs that people actually believed that the, oh hold on i haven't even had a sip of the new warm up yet okay fine no no don't the coffee warm up <laughs> woo that's very little coffee was that laugh annoying no it was good so th- this this website manages to fool a lot of people into thinking that this album is going to be called tour ensemble uh and the only reason I think that's worth bringing up is because Weezer is still popular enough that people care mm-hmm. about this fake website. You know, if some uh, fake website was like r- rumoring a, a live, live, you know, like lightning, the live, the band was rumoring on maybe a Candlebox is a better example. New Candlebox album like coming out. It's called Tour Ensemble. Like no one would care. Yeah. Because even though I like Candlebox, like nobody cares about Candlebox. But people care enough about Weezer that this is of interest to them. So they're still like on the pop culture radar, right? So the band goes into the studio and, well, you know what? We, we should just get into the songs actually because... Um, you think it was Weezer themselves that made that fake website? 
No, I don't. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was. Although, now that you say that, that's not a terrible idea, I guess. Yeah. We're going to go out of order here. Usually we go in order on the songs, and we go from like the beginning to uh-huh. the end. Honestly, when I think of the Red Album, I the Red Album is probably one of those Weezer albums that I rarely bother putting in my CD player, but the more I got into this, the more I was like, okay, this has interesting aspects to it. So we're going to go straight to the first single, which is Pork and Beans. This is the one that I would say most people know. Okay, you guys know that one. That's the popular one. First yeah. single, won a Grammy for best music video. Really? Or best rock music video or whatever. Dude, Weezer's is such a weird band. Dude, I mean, again, this is the first episode we're recording. Oh, yeah. Weezer, but we're going to find out how weird they yeah. are. Yeah. You know what? I think this is the weirdest album. Really? I, I do. What do you think's weird? What about this song made you think like... Weezer's weird. Well, it's not this song particularly. It's like okay. the other songs. It's like uh huh, yeah, like parody, but not really, but yeah. kind of yeah. But it's like they're owning it, right? It's know? like they're funny, but they're also dead serious. Yeah, but they know that it's funny, even yeah. though they're dead serious. They they realize they're self aware enough to yeah. be like, look, I really mean this, but I get that you guys think this is weird. Uh huh. The the little riff in here is very reminiscent of El Scorcho. Do you remember that from yeah. Pinkerton? So the riff's kind of El Scorcho-ish, but the lyrics are very pointed, right? The lyrics are pretty clearly, you know, people are telling me to do this a certain way, and look, I I ain't got a thing to prove to you. I eat my candy with the pork and beans, <laughs> right? So this is the first single, like I said, and the reason I wanted to go over this first is because it's the song people are most familiar with, but also gets to a little bit of how this album was recorded. So this was mm-hmm. a Rick, this album was recorded in three sessions. Rick Rubin produced the first session. Weezer produced the second session. Now Weezer has had little bouts of self-producing their albums since Pinkerton and Weezer fans tend to get very excited when Weezer is self-producing because Pinkerton was all produced oh. by Weezer. So people think when oh when Weezer is self produced and I remember falling into this trap too. Oh Weezer is producing this. It's going to be more like Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. Clearly they've never made another Pinkerton. So yeah. like you know that ship has sailed. But anyway, the second session was Weezer self producing and then the third session was um what's the word at imposed on them by Geffen Records. Huh. That's who they're, you know, that they work for essentially. They're like getting like all three of the best of work. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. kind of weird. Geffen That's Record- so Weezer, bro. So, so Geffen Records, here's the first two sessions. And and clearly we're going to get into this more, but this this album is probably their most experimental. Mm. Certainly to this point where they have different singers singing and the songs are not maybe as 
poppy. I mean, they're still Weezer, so they're still poppy, but they're not as pop. They're a little weird. Kevin Records says, you don't have enough popular music on this album. you got to do something different. Mm-hmm. So that's where Pork and Beans comes from. Pork and Beans was written for part of the third session, and it's basically about that interaction with Geffen Records where they're like, look, you got to do this, 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 and this. You got to make this more popular than what you have here. So clearly Weezer's not happy about that. And so they write Pork and Beans as an answer to that. Yeah. Like, you know, you got to find you. Timbaland knows how to get a pop hit pop song. Why don't you just bring Timbaland on here and uh-huh. then we'll have a hit record, you know? So I love that sentiment. I love the kind of like, you know, they're not really sticking it to Geffen. Like they, it's kind of ironic that they write this mega popular pop song in response to being angry about being told. It's to like do that. they had it in them all along. They just chose not to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they, they know the secret recipe. Yeah. Right. They do. know. Yeah. And, and also leading up to this album, the goal for this album was each band member had kind of asked themselves going into it. Like, what do I want to get out of this? What mm-hmm. do I, so this is, I don't know if it's introspective, but it's definitely selfish. I don't mean even mean that necessarily in a bad way, but they're trying to like please their musical chops. Like they yeah. want to do what interests them. And I don't blame them on their sixth studio album yeah. for doing something they want to do. And Geffen told them like, no, you got to write another blue album. Oh Basically, no, you got to write another yeah. album. Yeah. So that's how Pork and Beans comes about in the third session. So that was the first single, very popular, still one of their most popular songs, right? Right. Okay. So right. let's go back to the beginning. So the start of the album is Troublemaker, which is, uh, like I said, the first song on the album and the second single. Put me in a special school because I am such a fool and I don't need a single book to teach me how to read. So, I get with the, why this song is a single, and I get why it's the first song on the album. But for me, it's not a particularly strong song, and it's not a great album opener. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, do you have any thoughts about this one? I mean, not r- really, because I'm not too familiar with Weezer at this point. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, I don't know what the traditional Weezer opener right. sounds like. Well, that's a... And that's a really good point to bring up, I guess, is that there's there's nothing, like, too distinct about it either. Yeah. It's, not like, it's clearly not blowing it's you away. It's just like a song, yeah. It's just a song. Yeah. Which, on this album... Sounds like Weezer. Yeah. You know? On this album, it kind of makes sense, because... Nothing else really on this album is just a song. Mm-hmm. This is the only song on here that's like just a song. Yeah. Um, so that's why it makes sense as a single. That's why it makes sense as the first song on the album. But it's just, it's mostly just two chords and it's not, it's not really remarkable in any mm-hmm. way. Not for me, you know, I could take it or leave it kind of, but uh, it takes us into the maybe the weirdest song on the album this is the greatest man who ever lived oh yeah yeah this song's pretty so weird. there's some cheering to start by the way the new segment my deep dive will not be happening on this album because this whole album 
is a deep dive. What? <laughs> yeah. That's like a record scratch. What? What just happened? Police sirens and he's uh, rapping after the... Did you read anything about this song? No. So we're not going to listen to the whole thing, but it you almost have to. So yeah. go, go find The Greatest Man That Ever Lived on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you listen to your songs. But the idea of this song is to take Simple Gifts, which is the shaker traditional song that's what the piano dun, 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 oh yeah dun, 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 dun. like everybody knows that song or has heard it before so they take that and they make it into 11 different themes based around that melody so here here are the theme you just heard the beginning of the first one it's weezer doing a rap version uh-huh. of that song then the next version at one minute is their take on how Slipknot would do it, apparently. Now, this is what it sounds like. I don't know if I think this is very Slipknot, but this is Weezer. Do they say Slipknot? Like, yes. Dude, Slipknot. Yeah. No. Oh, do they say it in the yeah. song? No, no, no. Did Weezer say that? Apparently, this uh, is Rivers Cuomo's uh, explanation. Then, at 126... It's Jeff Buckley. I'm gonna tear down the wall. So is this a cover? No, no, no. Oh, well, okay. I don't know. I'm sure that Simple Gifts is probably in the... Um, oh, God. What's the phrase when um, when a song... It's um, public domain, oh. right? So I, I, I don't think they probably have to pay royalties on this. Yeah. But no, it's not a cover, but what they're doing is they're playing the same... They wrote a song yeah, based yeah, around yeah, yeah. this, and now they're playing it in different styles that are supposed to match, in this case, apparently, Jeff Buckley's style, which I think Rivers is basically just taking that to mean he's going to sing falsetto and play uh-huh. an acoustic guitar. This doesn't... That doesn't remind me of like the Grace album from Jeff Buckley. Which <laughs> I think we'll probably... We may do that someday. It would be we'll be, have to be pretty popular before we do Grace, <laughs> but it's a really interesting, good album. After Jeff Buckley, then it's this choral arrangement. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Yeah. After the choral arrangement, they move into what they consider to be the Aerosmith arrangement. Kind of. Yeah, I think when you say kind of, that's pretty accurate. Then, after that, 243, Nirvana. I guess. If they hadn't told me that, I wouldn't catch it. Yeah. This one, I think, is maybe the most accurate. The Andrews Sisters? Yeah. 
I guess that's got a pretty specific feel to it, so maybe that's why I think that one's pretty on point. After that is Green Day. I can that one. I can see that too. Yeah. Um, after Green Day is Spoken Word, and this is apparently very heavily influenced by Elvis's uh, "Are You Lonesome Tonight." Somebody said, "All the world's a stage." <laughs> I thought and this each was of fine. us is a player. This one is. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to tell you. But you don't like it. You, er, if you don't like it, you can shove it. But you don't like it, you love it. <laughs> All right, and after that, we get into the Bach and Beethoven. So you, I think you, the listener, will hear when it crosses over from Bach to Beethoven. It's just kind of a slight change in the theme after about 15 seconds. There's the switch. And then after that, it closes out with Weezer's apparent version of, of their, their take on this. Like Beatles fucked up. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the Weezer version is the best. Yeah, maybe just because it closes out. I love how it ends, like dude. And this is another thing that I'll probably bring up later. But like, yeah. their drummer is kind of like Weezer. Like without that drummer man. Oh, a hundred percent. Because he plays like he just has that Weezer feel. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm very interested in your take on. Patrick Wilson, yeah, Pat Wilson. Uh, I'm very interested in your take on him, like throughout the whole discography, because he does have a very specific set of skills, yeah. like Liam Neeson in Taken, and <laughs> and he and like it is the Weezer sound, I think. Yeah, but I tell you what, I hope you listeners weren't bored with that as we went through it, because. I think that it makes the song so much more interesting yeah. to know what they're kind of trying to do uh-huh. because it's kind of a shitty song, <laughs> like as its own, like as, it, <laughs> as its own, like f- almost six minute thing. Yeah. It's kind of like dumb, but realizing what they're trying to do, it's at least a nice swing of the bat. Uh-huh. You know, I like the idea. I don't necessarily love the finished product, but the idea makes it much more enjoyable. Um, here, all I'm gonna say about this is, fucking, here we go. Is this? This is heart songs. Oh. This is the fourth song. Gordon Lightfoot sang a song about a Do you have any thoughts about heart songs? I mean, I don't know where I stand in the Weezer. I don't know what's weird and what's normal. Yeah. Because there, it's all weird, you know? Okay. Let's... So, you got this... Where Tell he's, me. He's Tell sing, me more. He's singing about... Heart songs is basically what he's referring to as the songs he remembered listening to as a young boy. Uh-huh. And then as he became more aware of the music that was around him. And then about what Weezer does 
now, right? Um, I'm gonna skip ahead to the three minute mark, and this is where this is where the build happens, and sort of like if this is a story, this is where it goes from. Um, this is where it goes from. I'm sort of passively absorbing what my parents are giving to me, hmm. and now I'm like becoming my own like. So he's really telling like stories through this album, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. Through the music and the lyrics. So here's where I'm going to just do a hard play. This is where it begins. Oh, I thought this part was cool. That's what I wanted you to say. So he's singing about finding ner- Nevermind. Yeah. Oh, okay. So when he, for those of you that aren't familiar with Nevermind, I already have goosebumpies. Yeah. When he's singing about the, I heard the chords that broke the chains I had upon. He's talking about Smells Like Teen Spirit. If you don't own that album, that's the first song. Yeah. Then the strings come in. You can tell he's like heavily influenced by that style of playing. Okay, don't think less of me. This song, as much as a song can almost make me cry, this one, like this one does it for me. Like I almost lose it. Like every, I never get tired of it. Uh huh. I just like the meaning. It's not just the meaning; it's the complete execution of how it goes from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Like I was listening to this on the way to work the other day, and it's it. I don't listen to music in my car very much anymore because. We play so much. I yeah. get tired of listening to music, and you know, I parked my car, and we were, and it was just at that part, and I just had to wait. Yeah, I couldn't leave. I had to finish it because it's so good. Yeah. It's so good, and I mean, it's not even like they rest on their laurels and kind of like finish it out with a heavy chorus. It's kind of boring. They put like little interesting rakes in mm-hmm. and like slight pauses. To like beef it up. It's com- it's coming up here. That that was one right there, but there's another coming. put that in with my mouth the the rakes and the drum it's not even really a drum fill but it ex- like, accents yeah. it they never play that song live huh it seems like it seems like the band is not a f- fan of the song i don't know what the story is after it was put on the album my other weezer fan friends don't like i mean maybe they don't hate it but they don't like it as much as me i've never met anyone who likes that song as much as I do? I think it's my favorite Weezer song ever. Period. Full stop. Jeez. 
I mean, I don't it, say geez, like geez. I'm, I'm like, huh? It is. Is it just the message? The message? I would say that, but I don't usually care about messages. Yeah. Is Weezer a band where you have to like listen to the lyrics? No. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes you get a little... This song, you get a little bit more out of listening to the lyrics, right? But I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. But it's so... I don't know. It's so good. That's all I can say. Like, n- apparently nobody agrees with me, including Weezer. Because <laughs> I have, did you wrong. <laughs> I've even heard... I, don't, I can't remember if I was actually there, if I just saw a video of this, but they like will play the intro and not do the song. Weird. Yeah. They're like, they know that people like it. Like I don't know. Fans. Apparently nobody does except me, but just, I already said at the beginning of this Here's podcast that we're trying to introduce people to things they aren't aware of. This yeah. was not a single. Like go, if you were born between 1975 and Mm, we'll say 2010 listen to this song and just be like just it's not gonna blow your mind because it's not technically difficult or anything it's just it just encapsulates what a lot of people experience yeah like it changed his life and these are the songs that keep singing right yeah there's there's one part there's one part of the song where he says uh, Debbie Gibson, tell me that you think we're all alone. That's when he's saying, like, I learned to love metal, oh. but I also listen to songs on the radio. Like, yeah. And then he says, Debbie Gibson, tell me that you think we're all alone. During the recording of the song, the bandmates pointed out to him that Debbie Gibson did not do that cover of I Think We're Alone Now. That was a Tiffany, uh-huh. and who was another popular like female pop singer at the time. And he was like... We'll just keep it the way it is because the song is about your memories. The song's about oh. like what you ex- what you think you experienced growing up, and his memory was that was Debbie Gibson, mm-hmm. even though he knows he's wrong. That's not that's the point. Cool. That's metal, man. Right. So, so it, the line is still Debbie Gibson, even though it's yeah. actually Tiffany. So I think I've talked enough about heart songs. Let's let's move to everybody get dangerous. I like this one. It's good. Crickets. Reminds me of Storm in a Teacup. When I was younger, I used to go and tip cows upon ya. What do you think about cow tipping? Dude. Is it real? I don't think so, man. I'm glad I- you said that. I had a math teacher who in high school who because cow tipping Tommy Boy mentioned cow, you know, they go cow tipping and Tommy Boy, and then it was like part of the pop culture lexicon. Uh Like, oh, cow tipping, it's great. And my math teacher in high school was like, I lived in the country. Have you ever tried to push over a cow? (laughs) It's impossible that nobody cow tips. Yeah. But Weezer's singing about it here, so probably made up. Here's the chorus of the song. It's about cow tipping. It's not about. Uh, I mean, he's saying that getting dangerous, but this is exactly what you were saying. Like, it's kind of funny because it's tongue in cheek. Like, they don't think cow tipping is dangerous. Like, he talks about other things that are relatively innocuous that they're talking about. Everybody getting dangerous, but they know that it's not dangerous. But it was dangerous to them at the time. Yeah. So, anyway, this is a 
it's a good song. It feels a lot like some other mid album Weezer songs. The ones that came to mind for me as I was re-listening to this, it, like it, it sounds kind of like we are all on drugs from Make Believe. Do you know that song? Mm-hmm. It was a single, I think. Um, but it kind of sounds like that, or, or Where's My Sex from Hurley, where they're just kind of like cool, sort of dark for Weezer type songs, but aren't ever going to be mega popular. Um, but that's Everybody Get Dangerous. The The next single is Dreamin', which has another interesting backstory, too. This is a long song for Weezer. It's a full five minutes. And it's otherwise kind of a color by numbers Weezer song at first so here it is kind of like half volume and then if we skip ahead to the middle it changes pretty drastically they're doing that a lot on this album aren't they well yeah and that's where it becomes like this experimental album kind of this this song this is another thing that happened in the middle you mentioned the hiatus at the beginning during this like break between Make Believe and the Red Album, Rivers also releases releases his home recorded demo tapes oh. from and it was called Alone and then it had a I forget what the subtitle was, but the the it's a Rivers Cuomo solo solo album, but it's all his old demos from even some of them before the blue album. Hmm. So you have old versions of Buddy Holly I think even with old lyrics, where like the old lyrics and it, it didn't used to be, um, it didn't used to. Sorry, I'm trying to. I gotta pause this because I can't listen to this song and think at the same time. <laughs> the original lyrics for Buddy Holly weren't "Ooh, we you, I look just mm-hmm. like Buddy Holly." Ooh, and you're Mary Tyler Moore. They used to be, uh, "You move like Ginger Rogers." Oh, oh, and I. Or no, you look just like Ginger Rogers. Oh, oh, and I move like Fred Astaire. Hmm. Those were the original, and I think that's on the album. But what it, those were the original lyrics. But whatever the case is, um, we probably, even though we're recording this after the fact, I'll probably mention that when we talk about the Blue Album. But whatever the case, the you know he re- releases a bunch of these songs that are demos and sort of unfinished. But Dreamin' was sort of paired with a song that was on that album called This Is The Way. This Is The Way is is a great song and is probably my favorite of the Alone Sessions. Okay. And that was originally going to be the one that ended up recorded for this album. They were going to put This Is The Way on the Red album. And This Is The Way has like, um, I forget the song. I'll have to look it up. But it has like a R&B sample. So it's kind of... It's very different from everything else on here. It would be like uh, much more R and B sounding, mm-hmm. but um, but he Rivers convinced the band to make Dream and the one that comes on here. So those two were conceived to be a pairing. Where this is the way is the like straight ahead love song, and yeah. Dream and is more like the weird one. And so they put quote unquote the weird one on this album, mm. and it was also released as the third single. Dude, so, you know some Weezer, bro. Dude, I went on a deep dive here. That, and that's why there's no deep dive segment on this on this episode. So now we go through all those as if we aren't weird enough already. Now we get into the songs that are written by other members of the band for the first time since the Blue Album. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and, and they're singing lead on some of these. Yeah, I noticed that. The, the voices change, right? Mm-hmm. So Thought I Knew is written by Brian Bell, the other guitar player, and he sings on it as well. So here's a little taste of that. 
Has Weezer's lineup always been consistent? No. Uh, and we'll obviously talk about that in the first episode we record, but this is their third bass player. Everybody else is mm, the same. Okay. So this is the third bass player after Matt Sharp and uh, and uh, Mikey Welsh. This is the third album for Scott Schreiner as the bass player. So here's the chorus. It's a good song, I think. I like the guitar, the electric. That's funny you say that. I like the guitar. That's the drummer. Really? Guitar. Yeah. Guitar players, or the drummer's a good guitar player, too. Yeah. I've seen him live. He'll like, he'll play Eruption during really? one of their breaks. Like, he's a good guitar player. Huh. I don't know if he's one of those kind of like one trick pony guitar yeah. players where he learns to play something and he can play that well, but he can't really do a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm not trying to insult him. I just really don't know. Yeah. But that's a cool song. Apparently, the drummer and the guitar player both have side projects and, and Brian Bell has a side project called The Relationship, which he wrote Thought I Knew for that band. And apparently it was in a minor key. And when I was reading through this, I wasn't, when I was researching this, I wasn't listening to the album at the same time but in my head i was like i think thought i knew kind of sounds like it's in a minor key but apparently he moved it to major for Mm. the red album and and when it when the song starts you're like oh that is a major chord it's coming up here like if i had to guess that's a d yeah those are all major chords d a g probably yeah and then, but then when it does get to the chorus, that sounds minor to me. Hmm. And I only say that I haven't tried to learn it or anything, but I say that because it has a distinctly like sadder feel to it, which is why it's kind of interesting and cool for a Weezer song. But speaking of dark, Scott Schreiner, the bass player, wrote and sings on this song called Cold Dark World. I like the song. This song is good. Yeah. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit so you can get to the um, the chorus and kind of like get a better feel for this song. I like the drums a lot. Strawberry Fields. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Do I love that whip 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 Strawberry Fields. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying, dude? Know what I'm saying? Dude, you know what I'm saying, dude. So keep... this this is a weird song too in that Scott Schreiner had written it and he was like, This like this music is dark. And there is like dark a- art. Dude, dark I love aspects. that song actually. I do too. But the lyrics, Rivers wrote the lyrics, oh. and, and it's a little bit like happy-go-lucky, and the two together have this weird juxtaposition, which is good. Um, so, And that's Scott Schreiner's description of how the song fleshed out, not mine. And that leaves Pat, 
Patrick Wilson, the drummer, who plays guitar and sings this song. Look, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right away. Patrick Wilson is the worst singer in the band. I mean... Is that the drummer? Yeah, it's not good. The song is cool. The singing is subpar. <laughs> How am I going to deliver you a mountain size of love? I don't think it's that bad. It's not bad. It's I think just it sounds the, like Weezer. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just the worst. Oh, out of them. Yeah, because it is a little bit Rivers. In yeah. a way, you know what I mean? It's not like OG. By the way, this is what I would sound like if I sang lead on an album. So I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he's the worst. I like that. I mean, that's a cool riff. Yeah. This song is about how much Patrick Wilson loves his family. That's cool. Which that's not super rock and roll, but yeah. at least it's not. At least the lyrics aren't like, "Hey, yeah, you know how much I love my family." <laughs> you know, it, it's a little metaphorical, yeah. at least. I love you. <laughs> and then the last song is "Angel and the One," which is apparently most band members' favorite song on the album. There's a lot of slow build to this, so I'm gonna skip ahead to where that build kind of begins. Whoops, I didn't give it enough lead. This song's good. It's it's a good Weezer closer. Hmm. You know, Weezer, the blue album that we've already gone over, the the last song is Only in Dreams, which is a fabulous closer. Their best closer. And then with Pinkerton, they do Butterfly, which is a nice closer, but it's not anthemic. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like... Yeah, it's not like... Yeah. You don't play it to a stadium, really. Yeah. It's, it's more a middle of the live set because it's just him and an acoustic guitar. And after that, for me, Weezer kind of struggles with how to close an album. They do a lot of what I kind of think are like duds mm. to close an album. But this one is is strong. You know, it's it's long. It's 6.45. Now, there's a lot of empty nothing mm. at the end. But um, it's almost seven minutes a, as a track. And it's it's more like Only in Dreams, which... Yeah. which I'm in favor of. Uh, th- now, later in their career, they kind of get that last song mojo back for me, but this is the first one since the Blue Album that I'm really like 100% on board with. So, One nice thing, I don't know if you listeners like our podcast episodes being an hour long, but part of that is not our fault. Part no. of it is that albums are long. Deep, but that, Most albums are an hour. Yeah, but not Weezer albums. They're usually only 10 songs, so we've gotten through it all. And uh, that's the Red Album. I like it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I said, we're recording this first, so who knows where that'll fall. But I I definitely enjoyed it more 
going through it now than when I, this came out did you sorry to interrupt no dude. when this came out did you buy it like, i have every weezer album i mean like right all, away yeah yeah i did i was still 100 percent on the weezer train i i am now even. yeah but but i will say that my enthusiasm <laughs> i talked about how after there's nothing left to lose with foo fighters i kind of like didn't care anymore this is the album where I kind of stopped really caring about Weezer. Y- you had Blue and Pinkerton, and then the Green Album, as we'll talk about, as we already talked about with Kyle uh, Lewis, was borderline the most anticipated album I can remember. Like oh. You're so excited for it. Then you have Make Believe, which I really liked. I really liked Make Believe. I'm sorry, Maladroit. Maladroit mm. was underappreciated that we've already talked about with my sister underappreciated, but also not a CD that I like wore out, you know, it's good. Yeah. But then you've got make believe after that and make believe I uh, listened to a lot, but it started to feel like sort of like Foo Fighters for me where it's like, none of these are masterpieces. Mm. Then the Red Album comes out, and it is weird. Yeah. And I gave it a couple listens, and I'm like, I just can't do it. You know, I'm not that into it. But Then did, then did you come back, and you're like, oh, yeah. I like it. I'm yeah. 100% on board with Weezer right now. Yeah. Now, the we'll talk about the Teal Album and the Black Album a little later. I'm not as into those, but the White Album, I'm a big fan of, and everything will be all right in the end, which preceded those last two I'm, hmm. I'm into. but So we'll get to those, but... Before we end the episode, we got to do cover cut hidden yeah. gem. So, the singles off this, I feel like maybe I forgot to mention one when we went through it. Um, Pork and Beans was first. Greatest Man That Ever, I'm sorry, <laughs> Troublemaker was second. Dreamin' was third. Greatest Man That Ever Lived was fourth. So, those are I'd the cover singles. Pork and Beans 100%. You'd cover Pork and Beans? Yeah. I would too. I mean, I don't like love the song, but. It's catchy co- as hell. Yeah, I'd cover pork and beans. It would be fun. What would can you think of a cut? What would you cut? Ooh. I don't know. Now that you think about it, the drummer song. Automatic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think well, no, because I like the guitar. Oh, mine was dreaming. You know, I think that's the one I would cut too. Yeah. Even though it's a single. The I like Dream I like Troublemaker word less than Dreamin'. Like I like mm. Dreamin' better than Troublemaker is the better way to say that. But you can't take Troublemaker out as the first song yeah. and have the greatest man who ever lived as the <laughs> first song. You cannot do that. <laughs> so if we're trying to keep, you know if we're trying to otherwise preserve the album in the order it's in, you can't take Troublemaker out. So mm. I think I'd take Dreamin' out also. That so we have the same cover and the same cut. What's the hidden gem? Mine, for you? mine is. Um, oh, the, the I know what it's gonna be. Yeah. Cold dark world. Yep. Yeah, that's a good song. But heart songs is my favorite. Yeah. Weezer song, uh-huh. and it's not a single. So obviously, that's my hidden gem to end all hidden gems. Yeah. That is the crown jewel of hidden gems is heart songs. I will, I will die on the hill of heart songs if I have to <laughs> to get other people to listen to that song. <laughs> All right, so you got anything else for us? Get wet. Get wet. No stories today. No, no. Just a big deep dive into Weezer, yeah. friends. Next week, 
gosh, what is next week? I have to look it up because I can't remember. We This is the sixth album. So I think Hurley is our next one. This is something I should be prepared for. But How I'm many Weezer g- albums are there? There's a lot. There's like 11 or 12. Oh, Ratitude is Ratitude. next. Ratitude. Ratitude gets Weezer. I don't know. We'll talk about it when we talk about it. Hey, get wet. One problem with recording uh, multiple episodes on the same day is the, the memory. The, no, the, no, we got plenty of memory. The My inst- brain. The, the Instagram media. It's like, it's like uh, we'll have photos from the Sonic Highways episode on National Irish Coffee Day, and many weeks later on the Weezer Red Album Day. Dude, all about that time warp, bro. Me too. The time warp. Do we have any notes about this that we need to think about before we begin, or can we just go right in? Dude, let's just go right in. All right. Let's execute. All right. I'm going to try this same thing I did before. Okay. Come on, baby. Execute order 66. Here we go. Order 66. Ready? One, two, three, 